Let's bow together and pray. Father, your word is a lamp and a light unto our feet. You guide us by it. You equip us by it, Lord. You exhort and you correct and you train and you provide us with all that we need, Lord, spiritually in this life. And so we pray now as we turn our attention to your word, Lord, that you would again, by your spirit, strengthen, feed, build, edify the faith of your people, Lord. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the wonderful news that we get to hear every Lord's Day and twice thereof, Lord. Bless us now, for we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23. I have to apologize in advance if you uh, see me pop a cough drop or you hear a cough drop in, your, in my mouth. I'm suffering from a cold, and uh, I don't think I can make it through without these little guys, so uh, please bear with me in that respect. Psalm 23, we're going to read the entirety of the psalm, but we're really going to focus tonight on just the first verse of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Reading again, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, this is uh, one of the most well-known passages of all of the Psalms, maybe uh, one of the most well-known passages all of Scripture, really, when you think about it, right? You don't, you don't need to be a Christian to uh, maybe have memorized this passage. You hear it quoted in books. You hear it quoted in movies. Yeah, but the truths of these passages are still, although very familiar, so comforting. So comforting to God's people. This is a psalm of David, we are told. We don't know the exact context of this psalm, but that in and of itself can be helpful for us. It can help us in the sense of it, it allows us to more easily apply it to the many different scenarios and situations that we find ourselves faced with in life. Particularly, this is a helpful psalm in difficulty and trials. But this is not just a psalm for difficulty and trials. This is a psalm for all of our lives, isn't it? It's a psalm of trust. It's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm of assurance. See, wherever we're at in our lives, we need each of those things, don't we? We need to trust the Lord. We need comfort from the Lord. We need assurance in the Lord. Me and my family moved down here to San Diego about three, wait, seven months ago. It seems like three months, but it's been about seven months. Maybe some of you have recently faced a move. In the midst of a move, you need trust. 
You need comfort. You need assurance. Maybe some of you have taken on a, a new job or new responsibilities at your place of work. And that change comes challenges. You need trust. You need comfort. You need assurance. Maybe some of you guys are wrestling with life decisions. Decisions pertaining to health. Decisions pertaining to relationships and family. In each of those situations, we again need trust. We need comfort. We need assurance. And so this is a psalm really for all of life. At any time, in every place, we need that trust, that comfort, that assurance that we get from our shepherd, our shepherd. I titled this sermon, Our Shepherd. A simple title, right? A title that comes directly from the text before us. And with this simple title, I want to consider two questions from this verse here. Who is our shepherd and how does he shepherd us? Who is our shepherd and how does he shepherd us? The answer to the first question, who is our shepherd, is told to us right at the beginning of this psalm. The Lord is our shepherd. Our shepherd is the Lord, David says. Again, another simple, familiar, yet profoundly beautiful statement. And it's recognized as such so much that the title of the psalm reflects that very statement. The Lord is my shepherd. Now the beauty of such a simple statement leads me to wonder and to ask, why would David say this? Why would David make a statement like this? Yeah, for sure, we can't really know exactly why David asked or said this, but I think the question is worth considering. Was this statement something that came about that David realized simply through the intimacy that he shared with God? Was this statement something that David confessed regularly in his prayers? Was this something that he meditated upon over and over and over? I pray that. I pray the Lord is my shepherd. I pray that over and over at various times. At various times, I give myself to meditate upon this very truth. I conscientiously and intentionally relay that truth in my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Children, maybe uh, you have found yourself quoting that to yourself at some point. Maybe if you have ever woken up after having a difficult dream. I have four daughters, and uh, our, me and my wife's sleep is often interrupted by bad dreams of our little ones. And those are truths that we like to remind them, or this is a truth we like to remind them. The Lord is your shepherd. I think that's something that uh, we all should do. We should all give ourselves to meditate upon this truth. The Lord is our shepherd. And I think as we do that, we, we come to better grasp who our shepherd really is. Now, maybe this truth didn't come to David's mind through constant meditation. Maybe it came as he uh, was, was himself being a shepherd. We all know that David was a shepherd, right? He, uh, he had particular insight into what that would mean to be someone's shepherd. 
In my consideration of this text, I referenced the little book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by shepherd pastor Philip Keller. And one thing that Keller portrays in that little book is the neediness of sheep. Sheep are so needy. He says, he makes the point that sheep need constant care and oversight. There isn't a moment in the life of a sheep that he doesn't need the care of his shepherd. Shepherding is a never-ending task, is what Keller says. So imagine David, son of Jesse, out on pasture, watching over his sheep, and he's just faced some challenge, whatever that may have been, a bear, a lion, a thief, some thicket, some challenge regarding his sheep. And in light of that challenge, it dawns on David. He too needs that constant care from his Lord. The Lord is his shepherd. The Lord is his shepherd. Now maybe it wasn't through uh, that uh, challenge of any sort that led David to realize that the Lord was his shepherd. Maybe it was just through the the regular provision and care that God provided for David that he realized this. David was given to reflect upon God's perfect provisions for him. Maybe through his own provisions for his sheep, constant water, constant pastures needing to, for the sheep to graze upon, constant grooming of sheep and their physical inspection that they require. Maybe it was through that constant care David realizes the Lord too is constantly with him, his shepherd. Maybe it was all of these things. Again, as I said, we we don't know exactly what gave rise to David realizing this. What we do know is that David penned this profoundly beautiful truth here in Psalm 23, and the Spirit inspired him to write it down for us to reflect upon and look upon for comfort, for trust, for assurance. Let me ask you this evening, what what does it take for you in your life, in your day? What does it take for you to acknowledge this truth, that the Lord is your shepherd? And to realize this in a a, a deeply personal way. We're all familiar with this text, aren't we? I bet maybe 90% of us here have this passage and this entire verse or this entire uh, chapter memorized. What would cause us to, to reflect on this in a more personal and intimate way, in a fresh new way, as if it was the very first time that we heard this? You see, something about familiarity is familiarity can, can kind of breed apathy, can't it? When we become familiar with something, we can begin to take it for granted. We've all had the experience of receiving something, a gift maybe, right? Children at Christmas time receive gifts, and they're all excited about these gifts. A couple of weeks later, where's that gift? It's tossed in the corner. Doesn't even get the time of day, right? That familiarity, they take it for granted, something they strongly desire. But knowing this psalm as well as we do should lead us not to being apathetic, but to realize we have a wonderful, wonderful God who is indeed our shepherd. David answers this question by saying, the Lord is our shepherd. 
The Lord is the shepherd of his people. We, we are the sheep of his pasture. That's something that uh, Psalm 100 reminds us, right? Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. These words from Psalm 100, like Psalm 23, are, are intimate words. The Lord wants his people to know and to realize who he is and who he is towards them. So again, brothers and sisters, what would move us like David with renewed freshness to realize this as as if, again, if it was the first time we'd ever heard this? What would lead us to confess this? What would lead us to say, the Lord is my shepherd? And to give ourselves, our thoughts, to meditate upon that. Now when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he uses here the covenant name of the Lord, if you notice that. That can get lost in the word Lord here, right? But notice, the name of God that David invokes here is the covenant name of God. David says, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. Now the name of God reflects who he is. The name of God speaks to all that he is. Just as the Lord declared to Moses in Exodus 34 when he declared and revealed his name to Moses. The text says the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The name of the Lord refers to who he is. It refers to all that he is. First, to him being the God of promise, the God who makes promises, the God who keeps promises, the eternal God, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the everlasting one, the one who knows all things, who plans all things, who can do all things. That is who Yahweh is. He's the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, the caregiver and provider, God Almighty. That's who our shepherd is. God. God is our shepherd. The one true God, the one who rules and reigns supreme over all creation, the one who is seated between the cherubim, the one to whom the angels declare over and over and over, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. He is our shepherd. He is your shepherd. Now, I belabor this point some this evening because I want you to feel and, and realize the magnitude of who your shepherd really is. The Lord, Yahweh, God Almighty. You see, much of what I just pointed out really points to the transcendence of God, doesn't it? The fact that he is high and lifted up. The fact that he is holy and distinct from anything in creation. The fact that we are sinners and undeserving of his presence. And yet, this transcendent Lord is our shepherd. Our shepherd. 
And so this statement of David speaks to the fact that the transcendent almighty God is imminently present with his people. He cares for his people. And he is imminently present with us all the time. He is imminently present with us right now at this time. In all times, in all situations, whatever the the circumstance, whatever the trial, whatever the celebration, the Lord constantly watches and cares and provides for us, his people. Brothers and sisters, this is a truth that we need to hold on to, isn't it? We need to grab on to this and not let go of it. Have you ever had to hold on to a truth from Scripture and hold on to it so tightly because you felt like, given what you were facing, if you let go in any way, you would lose it. You would let it go. With everything that goes on around us in life today, in the world today, it's easy for this truth to slip through our grasp. You see, particularly today, more than any other time in history, I think the the personal nature of God is so easily forgotten. It can seem like God is so distant from us, and yet he is still our shepherd. And we need to remember that. Yahweh is our shepherd. Now, the fact that God Almighty would call himself our shepherd is simply beyond me. I can't. I can't imagine God inspiring David to say this. You see, we can spend quite a bit of time talking about God calling us sheep, but that's really not the emphasis here in this text, is it? The emphasis is on God being our shepherd. And there's really no better place for us to turn and look to to see how God is our shepherd than to look to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And for that, we turn to our second point this evening. How does the Lord shepherd us? In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Jesus takes this familiar phrase that everyone would have known, probably non-believers as well, and he applies it to himself. Who is our shepherd? Jesus. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is your shepherd. And he proves his love and care for us as his sheep and that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. How does he shepherd us? How does the good shepherd shepherd us? He lays down his life for us. You see, after immediately applying this metaphor of a shepherd to himself, Jesus, in the very same breath, says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See, Psalm 23 tells us who our shepherd is. The Lord, God, Yahweh. But in Christ, we see the fullest picture of this shepherd, don't we? In Psalm 23, what it states is fulfilled in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd is proven, displayed, fulfilled, and Christ laying down his life for his sheep. He lays down his life for us. He lays down his life for his people. He bled for us. He was bruised for us. He was beaten for us. He was broken for us. See, God really does show us his love for us in Christ. And that while we were sinners... 
sheep, aimlessly wandering about on our own, Christ died for us. Isaiah 53 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, have all turned, every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ died for us. The transcendent, almighty God condescends to his people, to his sheep, by dying for them, by giving up his life for them. Christians, you have a great shepherd, a loving shepherd, a shepherd that leads you and cares for you even to the point of death. And what an interesting picture this really presents for us as Christians, doesn't it? Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. That Jesus himself is also the sacrificial lamb. That good shepherd is also the sacrificial lamb. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Meditate upon that truth. Meditate on that love. Meditate on how in Christ the shepherd so identifies with his sheep that he takes on their flesh sacrificially dies for them. You see, it's one thing for God to identify with us as our shepherd. That shows his love. That shows his care. But this goes even further, doesn't it? Christ's love for us is shown in that he fully identifies with us by becoming one of us, by becoming one of the sheep. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty ways of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. This is who our shepherd is. This is how he has cared for us and shepherds us. You see now why we can go to him and be comforted Go to him and trust in him and be fully assured in him. We can be comforted. We can trust in him. We can have assurance. He is our shepherd. He has proven that to us. With these truths before us, we can see now why David, after confessing, the Lord is my shepherd, he says, I shall not want. I shall not want. David's words here in no way speak of of the material possessions that we can have or even need in this life. He's not saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will have everything that I desire or want. David's statement here cannot be a point used by the prosperity gospel. In fact, we know that David at various times in his life suffered material want, didn't he? He lived in caves. He lived among the enemies of God. He relied upon the provisions of others. Now, maybe someone might say, well, maybe that was before he, or he he states this after becoming a king. And once he became a king, he thought to himself, well, I won't have any want. But we know that David's life, even after becoming a king, was no cakewalk, was it? He lived with, in the midst of danger, difficulty, trial. Even as a king, his own son, Absalom, overthrew him, right? And so David found himself again in material want. 
You see, this opening line of this psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is not a truth that only applies when everything in life is easy and going well. Quite the opposite. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is especially true in hardship, in trial, in difficulty. And that's why Christians have found so much comfort in Psalm 23 over the history of the church. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, means that the Lord is my shepherd, I am satisfied in him. I'm satisfied in him. Now, of course, our sinful hearts challenge that satisfaction at various times, don't they? Our sinful hearts tell us, sure, be satisfied in Christ, but don't forget the pleasures that come from having or doing whatever you want to do. Sinful hearts deceive us, don't they? They deceive us and they lead us astray. They lead us away from the true satisfaction that we can have in our good and gracious shepherd. And they direct the eyes of our hearts to momentary pleasures of this life. Brothers and sisters, this is the sin that we are called to deny as God's people. See, C.S. Lewis was right when he said, we are too easily pleased. We as people are too easily pleased. He says, we would rather make mud pies in the gutter than enjoy a vacation at the beach because we are so easily pleased. Children, if you've ever watched the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, then you know a little bit about being easily pleased. If you remember the character Edmund. Edmund traded his brother and sisters for a piece of candy, didn't he? Now, I think if we were to have asked Edmund before he did that, Edmund, are your brother and sisters worth a piece of candy? He would say they're worth far more than candy, right? But that's how sin works, doesn't it? Sin creeps in, and it leads us to do foolish things, to trade something worth far more like the satisfaction that we have in Jesus Christ for a moment of physical pleasure. Sad. That's why we must deny sin. Deny sin. Deny and confess it to the Lord and cling to our good and faithful shepherd. Now, this is why the truth, the Lord is our shepherd, is so critical for us to acknowledge. Because it reminds us of who our shepherd is and the cost of our sin and our betrayal. The cost it was for him. The truth that the Lord is my shepherd reminds us again of who and what and how our shepherd has shepherded us. He has sacrificially died for us to cover the depth of our sin. See, our shepherd doesn't just wink at sin. He doesn't just say, you know, don't worry about it, forget about it. He doesn't, so to speak, sweep it under the rug. He takes sin so serious that he comes to this earth and he lives and he dies for us. He says, I am your shepherd and I lay down my life for you and your sin. And so now we are called as his sheep not to fall prey to our sinful desires, not to be satisfied with the things of this world, but to be satisfied with Christ, to be satisfied with all that we have in Christ, all that he has given to us, all that he provides for us. See, the Lord is my shepherd is a truth that ought to 
put in perspective all of our life, right? That's why David says, I shall not want. It means what I have in the Lord far surpasses anything that I could ever desire or imagine in this life. That's why David says elsewhere, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Beautiful truths. We may have physical needs. We may be desirous of many things in this life, even good things, things that we need. But ultimately, we must know what we have in the Lord, the forgiveness of our sins, the redemption that we have secured by our good shepherd provides us with everything that we truly need. And that gives us a perspective on every part of life. What we have here is a Christian perspective on life, really, when you think about it. David is speaking of a life of contentment. True contentment comes from being satisfied with what we have in Christ. Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Our peace, our contentment, comes from delighting and being satisfied with all that we have in Jesus Christ. When I think of a person who was content with what they had in Jesus Christ, I think of the man, Horatio Spafford. Maybe you guys know the name, Horatio Spafford. Spafford was the hymn writer who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. He wrote that hymn after a number of tragedies in his life. First, he lost his fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Around that same time, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever. And then two years after that, he lost four daughters, four daughters as they traveled across the Atlantic to Europe in a shipwreck. He wrote that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, in response to that. That was a man who was content with what he had in Jesus Christ. We're all familiar with that hymn, aren't we? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Christians, I ask you this evening, who is your shepherd? Is it well with your soul? May it be well with our soul. God, our Lord, is our shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for such a comforting and assuring text such as this. Lord, you know, in your word, you know exactly what we, your sheep, need. At various times, Lord, we are not given to meditate upon your word. We're given to despair, to discouragement, to depression. Lord, but by your spirit, you can revive us. You can strengthen us through your word. We pray that a message like what we heard tonight, Lord, you would use that to, again, build us, build our faith, build our trust, build our assurance and our comfort 
in you. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the good shepherd who laid down his life for us, his sheep. May we constantly entrust ourselves to him and may we be satisfied with all that you have granted to us in Christ. We pray this all in his name. Amen.